You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with the heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. This is a reading from the book of 1 Samuel, beginning in the 17th chapter and the 41st verse. The Philistine came on and drew near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. When the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. The Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the wild animals of the field. But David said to the Philistine, You come to me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This very day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the Philistine army this very day to the birds of the air and to the wild animals of the earth, so that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel and that all his assembly may know that the Lord does not save by sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. When the Philistine drew nearer to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. He put his hand in his bag, took out a stone, and slung it, and struck the Philistine on the forehead. And the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. This is the word of the Lord. Please pray with me. Dear God in heaven, we ask you to be here with us in this place this afternoon, and we trust that as a God who keeps his promise that you are here in our midst, may my words be your words, and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please sit. Just before the climactic basketball game at the end of Hoosiers, the greatest sports film ever made, where the tiny farm boys from Hickory High School, terrifyingly nicknamed the Acorns, are about to go up against the big giant players of South Bend Central in the Indiana State High School Championship game, the Hickory High team chaplain quotes to the team from 1 Samuel, that section that we just read, with quietly inspirational music swelling in the background. He says, And David put his hand in the bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on the head and he fell to the ground. And the whole team says, Amen. Now, if I had been the screenwriter... I'd have added the King James Version of verse 50, so David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and smote him and slew him. But hey, far be it for me to improve Hoosiers. Hoosiers is perfect just the way it is. But the implication here is clear, isn't it? And it's probably how we all naturally think about the David and Goliath story. In mismatched contests like Hickory, versus South Bend Central. There is a David, and there is a Goliath, and with God's help, David can win. 
Many of us have at some point in our lives probably been encouraged to think about what the Goliaths are in our lives and how we might use the power of God to overcome them. By the way, you notice how um, you're always the David? It's never, consider the Davids in your life and be careful that they don't smite you. In your life, in your David and Goliath story, you're always the David. And so naturally, the David and Goliath story is easily interpreted as sort of a narrative equivalent to another famous verse, Philippians 4.13, which countless people I know either got tattooed on themselves or turned into art in their home, or at the very least had underlined six or seven times in their Bibles, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And when we read the David and Goliath story, we think that I, David, can with God's help defeat Goliath. And in Hoosiers, of course, it works out just fine. Jimmy Chitwood makes the last second shot and all is right in Hickory, if not the world. Hickory can do all things, including defeat South Bend Central. But what about outside of the movie theater? In our real lives, the story is usually different. In the real world, Goliath wins a lot. We can so often feel overcome by the Goliaths in our lives. Marriages dissolve. Friendships end. Promotions are denied. When we're the underdogs in business, at home, wherever, we usually lose. Does that make Philippians 4.13 a lie? So we can't do all things through Christ who strengthens us? Well, before we say something like that, let's look a little more about what the Bible has to say about seemingly insurmountable struggles. It would be easy, I think, to compare Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and 2 Corinthians 12, 7-10, both of them written by Paul, and see them as sort of seemingly mutually exclusive. In this section of 2 Corinthians, Paul is writing about the kinds of things that he would be willing to brag about. And he says something fascinating. He says that he would be more willing to brag about his weaknesses than about his strengths. And he gives an illustration. And this is from 2 Corinthians 12. He says, To keep me from becoming conceited, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So Paul prays for his 
thorn, this struggle to be taken away from him. In other words, we might say that he begs God to help him defeat this Goliath in his life. But the answer is no. God tells Paul that this Goliath will stay to teach Paul something about God's provision for him, that when Paul is shown to be weak, God is shown to be strong. So which is it? Can Paul do all things through Christ who strengthens him? Or is God going to leave Paul in hardship to show him that his power is made perfect in weakness? Well, it's both. And another story, we're going all over the Bible today, the story of Jesus calming a storm in Mark chapter 4 will perfectly explain how both of these things can be true at the same time. When evening had come, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. Other boats were with him, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. Now that's how our usual new revised standard version begins the story. I'm going to finish the story by reading uh, the moving version as Sally Lloyd-Jones writes it in the Jesus Storybook Bible. Here's how she tells the end of this story. And in the middle of the storm, Jesus was sleeping. Now Jesus' friends had been fishermen all their lives, but in all their years fishing on this lake, they had never once seen a storm like this one. No matter how hard they struggled with their ropes and sails, they couldn't control their boat. The storm was too big for them. But the storm wasn't too big for Jesus. Help, they screamed. Wake up, quick, Jesus. Jesus opened his eyes. Rescue us, save us, they shrieked. Don't you care? Of course, Jesus cared. And this was the very reason he had come, to rescue them and to save them. Jesus stood up and spoke to the storm. Hush, he said. That's all. And the strangest thing happened. The wind and the waves recognized Jesus' voice. They had heard it before, of course. It was the same voice that had made them in the very beginning. They listened to Jesus and they did what he said. Immediately the wind stopped. The water calmed down. It glittered innocently in the moonlight and lapped quietly against the side of the boat as if nothing had happened. The little boat bobbed gently up and down. There was a deep stillness and a great quiet all around. Then Jesus turned to his wind-torn friends. Why were you scared? He asked. Did you forget who I am? Did you believe your fears instead of me? Jesus' friends were quiet, as quiet as the wind and the waves, and into their hearts came a different kind of storm. 
What kind of man is this? They asked themselves anxiously. Even the wind and the waves obey him. They didn't understand. They didn't realize yet that Jesus was the Son of God. Jesus' friends had been so afraid, they had only seen the big waves. They had forgotten that if Jesus was with them, then they had nothing to be afraid of, no matter how small their boat or how big their storm. If Jesus is with you, you have nothing to be afraid of, no matter how big your Goliath, no matter how firmly set your thorn. This is what I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me really means. When Paul writes that sentence, it comes after his claim that he can be satisfied no matter what is happening, good or bad. In Philippians 4.12, the verse immediately before the famous, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, Paul says, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Do you hear what he's saying? I can survive any storm because Christ wins the battle for me. I have a champion, someone who fights in my place. I'm huddled in the stern while Jesus commands the wind and the waves. Paul's not actually talking about his accomplishments. He's talking about Christ's. Christ fights for him. Jesus battles the storm and wins. The disciples, who just a moment ago were cowering in the boat, bask and rest in the results of his victory. And the exact same thing happens when David fights Goliath. You see, the profundity of the David and Goliath story isn't in the matchup of a David versus a Goliath, an underdog versus a huge favorite. What David and Goliath engage in here is what's called champion warfare. And it goes just like it goes in the story. Two armies face off, and rather than one horde fighting against the other horde until one side is overwhelmingly slaughtered and surrenders, each side instead elects a champion, and the champions do battle on behalf of their respective armies. And this is the part that's meaningful for us. The champion's victory is credited to his army without them ever having to join the fight. This is the profound image of the duel between David and Goliath. David acts on behalf of his passive and terrified countrymen, winning a battle for them. Here's the secret to understanding the David and Goliath story. You're not David. You're the cowering Israelite army. Jesus is 
David, or more properly, David's victory on behalf of the overmatched Israelites points directly to Christ's victory for you. You're not David using the power of God to slay the Goliaths in your life. You're the frightened Israelites who get to enjoy David's victory. David fights on behalf of a passive people. So does Jesus. Both of these stories, Jesus stilling the storm and David's defeat of Goliath, prefigure Jesus' imputation, his free giving of his goodness to sinners on the cross. He wins, and you get the victory. So, if the battle isn't really between you and the Goliaths in your life, what is it? Who's actually fighting here? What is this war really about? Now, it turns out that if we think of the battle as us against the struggles in our lives, we're thinking on a scale that is far too small. In the Good Friday liturgy that we observe every year, and please come back to this church on Good Friday, there the service's final prayer depicts the real struggle of life. This is how we pray. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, we pray you to set your passion, cross, and death between your judgment and our souls now and in the hour of our death. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, we pray you to set your passion, cross, and death between your judgment and our souls. This prayer reveals the true battlefield and gives the proper context to the David and Goliath story. David is Christ's passion, cross, and death standing between God's judgment, Goliath, and our souls. And it only takes one stone for Christ to win that battle. One word to hush the storm. One death to save the world. Jesus on the cross for you. The major battle of your life, in fact, the only ultimate battle of your life is not between you and your Goliaths. It's between your soul and God's judgment. Between the you that God has called you to be and the you that you actually are. But God has set His Son's passion, cross, and death between His judgment and your soul. Just as David stood between the Israelites and Goliath, Jesus stands for you. He has stilled the storm with one word and has killed the Philistine with one stone. And in Jesus Christ, who stands in your place, who hung on the cross and proclaimed his victory with one shout, it is finished. 
And in Him, that victory is yours. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.